The opinions that you hear are those of the host and callers, and not those of iHeartMedia, its management, or advertisers. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Phillips File, broadcasting high atop the iHeartMedia complex on WTKS-FM HD1. Coco Beach, Orlando. Available anywhere you go on the iHeartRadio app. Download it now. Groundbreaking. Critically acclaimed. And now, the Phillips File. All right, here we go. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. Yeah, it is. It's the uh, Phillips File. This one for a Tuesday, excuse me, a Wednesday, March 14th in the year 2018. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Jim Phillips. On Wednesdays for the first hour, we take what we normally do for the rest of the week and we put that aside because we've begun a series of interviews and reports uh, for the first hour every Wednesday on the heroin and opioid uh, crisis here in Central Florida. We can hope to continue these series of interviews for the remainder of the year. The first week we talked to a person, an addict, who described himself on the air as Mr. X. Then last week we talked to Scott, the triathlete, who had recovered from his addiction and was now devoted to triathlons. And Kelly is our guest uh, today. Let me just read uh, a little bit of the letter that Kelly sent to us, and then we'll continue with the interview. She's been gracious enough to come in and, and answer some of our questions. Kelly wrote to us, my addiction began long before I picked up my first pill or any drug for that matter. My story is not sad or filled with trauma. I'm just a garden variety addict, or so my psychiatrist says. I had a loving family. I always had lots of friends. I got good grades and never in trouble with the law. I always smoked weed. My parents smoked, so I guess it was a learned behavior. While my parents smoked weed, I never went without, and I was not encouraged to use myself. But, of course, I learned from them that smoking weed was okay. My parents had control of their lives and always took great care of me. Then your life kind of went downhill. What happened from that point onward? Kelly, by the way, thanks for uh, thanks for. Uh, coming in today. We appreciate that very You're much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, I would say that things kind of went awry um, after um, I gave birth to my first child. Um, I started uh, just recreationally taking um, pain pills, and uh, they were actually given to me by my mother, and um, she referred to them as happy pills. And I controlled it for a little while. You know, I would take them. Um, I bartended, so I would take them, and it would help me perform better at work. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like it was like speed, for lack of a better word. And they made me happy. And that feeling quickly became needed. Like, I, I needed it to feel better. I needed it to feel that way. And and that thus, it just progresses from there. Unlike our first two persons we interviewed both who got addicted to uh, to painkillers because they had accidents one in a motocross accident another in a construction accident in your particular case am i right you just like the way it it felt yeah i just liked being high right i mean bottom line that that's that's what it was i enjoyed the euphoria i liked it they made me happy i was able to talk to well talk more than i normally do and i was um 
it helped me it, it felt like it helped me function better. Like mm-hmm. I was able to be a better mom. I was able to be a better house, you know, take take good care of my house or perform better at my job. It made me more outgoing. Were your parents enablers? Yes. Yes. But as I read your letter at one particular point, it seems to me through your letter, something happened where your where your parents, either your father, your mother, somewhere along the line, they said, this, this is a problem and we're not going to enable you anymore. Yes. Um, for the longest time, um, I never had any issue. Like I never had any legitimate issues for a doctor to prescribe them. Yes. So I started out, um, my mom would give me a handful of her prescription because she did have a legitimate in- uh, injury. She was not an addict. No, no. She still, I don't, really feel she ever was i think her body became physically dependent right but okay. i don't think she was an addict um and she gave me you know would give me a handful whatever and then um she introduced me as i got more and more addicted to them i started going to my own doctor and then she introduced me to her doctor because somewhere i i got an mri that said i had some sort of issue with my back so of course i took that and went with it right and um, she introduced me to her doctor. So her doctor made my third doctor. At any point in time, though, did she say, Kelly, you know, I shouldn't be giving you these pills. This is what do you need these for? Did you what what, yeah, ex- she, what excuses did you use to get pills from your mother? Or she just said, well, this will keep her from maybe a withdrawal or getting angry or being a real pain in the ass. And if as long as I feed her these pills, she's happy and everything's OK. I think it was a little bit of all of that. Yeah. I think she felt partly responsible for the addiction because Mm. she introduced me to them. Um, I also feel I would guilt her into it. Like, or I would promise her that I would give her double back. Like if you give me these, when I get mine, I'll Mm. give you this many back, you know? And once I, we did that for a while. And then um, because all of my cash was going to buy, to feed my addiction, I stole one of her credit cards and, um, actually two of them and they obviously they caught me and that's when her and my my dad decided you know what there is an issue going on here and I think my mom realized it a while before but they felt responsible for she felt responsible so she kept aiding enabling and then finally at at that point they made me write a letter pay back all of the money pay off the cards they filed a police report they did not press charges because they didn't want it to be on my record. However, if I did it again, they have that report to fall back on. You were a functioning addict, though. I was a functioning addict, you, yes. You could work, and you I could, could get work. through the work day. When I, on, on pain pills, yes, I could work, and you would never know I was on them. What other substances besides pain pills? Did you progress to other things, or yes. was it just whatever you could get your hands on? No, I progressed to other things. I I I say I'm a speed junkie. I like, thing, I like uppers. I'm not real big on downers. Um, so I, I had a real problem with cocaine for a real long time. And I would I couldn't I functioned on cocaine, but that quickly took every I guess gonna I get emotional talking about because I gave away everything that I loved. Everything that I loved. It wasn't a matter of meaning. drugs took it from me. I gave it away. Everything that you loved meaning I, what? My daughter. Um I gave up parental rights to my daughter. Um, I turned my back on my family. I gave up on my dream. I quit going to school. I quit. I mean, that took me to places that I I can't even begin to describe, like the deepest, darkest place. Things I I did things I would never even dream of doing now. Meaning situations, situations. Or, or or areas where you're in, where you're in Actual modes areas. of depression. 
Uh, so no. you engaged in a behavior that was not in your best interest. No, exactly. A hundred percent. To get the money to pay for the drugs. Exactly. Exactly. How long, exactly. How long have you been clean and sober now? Almost seven years. Okay. And how long, I mean, this started smoking weed and then it got into pill addiction, cocaine. How many years are we talking about? Um, I started smoking weed when I was probably 14 and um, I only smoked weed. I'm not a big alcohol fan, so I never really drank much. I know I bartended, but I never, that's why I was a good bartender because I right. didn't drink. <laughs> um, and it progressed. It didn't get bad until I, I turned 21. And so that was, I'd say there were seven years there of just, you know, smoking weed smoking cigarettes, and then um, at 21, that's when the pills started. And then I, you know, of course, I've tried ecstasy and um, and then cocaine, and then pills were always my fallback. And when I, when I got, when I first got clean, the very first time I got clean, um, I was still, my dad, I don't know why he thought this was okay, but he still allowed me to go to the doctor and get pills as long as I didn't do cocaine. So, you know, was I really clean? No, I wasn't clean. But I was allowed to come back home and live, and, you know, life was normal. And, of course, I relapsed because you can't – got to change everything. You can't just pick one, and you can't pick one and do the other. I mean, it, it just doesn't work. Were you going through a cycle? I mean, did you know, yes. i got to get off this stuff, i got to get off this stuff? Was it the, was it the typical – was it I, I want to get high because I like the feeling more, or was it this sense of withdrawal? I don't want to go through withdrawal. I don't want I, to go through withdrawal. You, you tried? Yes. And, and what's that and feeling if you, like? if you could explain to the audience, what oh is that God. feeling? Because we get... Okay, it it is... Anybody who's ever had the flu, the real flu, not just a little cold, but the real flu, mm -hmm. times 10, like... I, I, I could never get past the second day because I, my body hurt. I would go through like um, muscle spasms. Um, what do they call that? Restless legs. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. You know, my bowels are messed up. You know, um, vomiting. It, it, it's just unreal. It, it was, it's horrid. And by the second day, I'm like, screw this. I'm, I can't do this. I, I, and then I would go use. I would well, go. like anybody. I mean, whether it's, you know, you're going through an experience like that or you're in incredible pain. And, you know, how do you respond to people to say, well, how hard can it be? I mean, I gave up cigarettes. So, you know, and I was addicted to cigarettes. And if I can be addicted to nicotine, it's just mind over matter. So uh, you're, you're, you're weak. That's, it, that's, you'll hear people hear continue to say that. You're just, ignorant. you're just a weak individual. It's ignorant because I am the strongest human being that I know. And I, I say that it, 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 my, believe it or not, my husband was one of those people. He's not an addict. He doesn't use drugs. Mm -hmm. um, he thought he was going to fix me and right. he got a rude awakening. But his idea of addicts was just that. Oh, they're weak. You know, they don't, you know, they're, they're uh, back alley, you know, scraggly, scruffy, you know, just, just like, you know, we were talking and yeah, they, they, they're, they, they're not like that. They, there's a stereotype. There's of, a stereotype. And, and it, it's not mind over matter. It has nothing to do with mind over matter. Of course it is mind over matter. Once the addict is clean, once the drug is out of the system, then it becomes a choice. Then it becomes something to do with willpower, so to speak. Right. You know, but when a when an addict is in active addiction, they have no control. They can't control it. It's an obsessive compulsive disorder, is what it is. You once you're using, you you become obsessed with using, and then your you, the compulsion to continue to reiterate or re reiterate or what's what's the word I'm looking for? Rehash that right. feeling of euphoria. Sure.
Recapture right, Recapture it. Recapture it. Yes. Let me yeah. take a little break. Mm-hmm. Kelly's our guest. We're continuing a series of interviews as they apply to the uh, opioid and heroin crisis in Central Florida. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. It's the Phillips File on Real Radio 104.1. iHeartRadio is the easy-to-use app for music and radio. Download the free iHeartRadio app today. From- the Wednesday edition of the Phillips File. My name is Jim Phillips. Every Wednesday now for the first hour, we focus on the opioid, opiate, and heroin crisis here in Central Florida. This is interview number three with Kelly. Kelly has been gracious enough, a recovering addict, to uh, come in and uh, speak to us. Uh, she's been here since 3 o'clock this afternoon. So uh, tell us about rehab. How many times were you in rehab after all these years after of all pill, these years? pill abuse? That's basically right. Pill abuse and yes, cocaine. Yes. Um three three times um to actual rehab. Well, actually two times to actual rehab facilities, and then um there have been four relapses. Um the first uh facility I went to was a Christian facility. Um however it 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 I was a what they call a dry drunk, you know. I, I was clean, but I wasn't given I didn't have any tools, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. While, you know, I needed a higher power in my life, um, I needed a program to help me, you know, when I, uh, situations arise, such as cravings, you know, or, or whatever the case may be. And I wasn't getting that there. So I, I left there and um, went home for a little while, relapsed again. Um, and I was out for a while and then came back home, went to N.A. and um, did good there for a little while, um, but ended up relapsing again. Um, my, my husband had had a surgery and, you know, because addicts are master manipulators, Mm -hmm. um, I can, I convinced him to be quiet instead of telling, you know, my sponsor, Hey, she relapsed or even telling my mother for that matter. And I went off to the races there, you know, and relapsed there. And then, um, using his pills, using his medication. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, um, I ended up, uh, getting, uh, we ended up getting pregnant and um getting married and you know i i i he thought that i was clean because i did go back to na um he thought i was clean you know and and i of course i wasn't i was able to hide that i don't even know he even drug tested me a couple times i don't even know how i passed those tests i really don't i have no idea um but i did and you know and then um I went to the last time after um, when my daughter, my youngest daughter was about nine months. I have two children. I have a nine-year-old. Well, she's actually 21 now or 20, almost 20 and a uh, nine-year-old now. Um, but when she was nine months, my eldest, my youngest was nine months. I went, uh, my husband and my, my mother had found my stash because I had been using and still going to meetings and still celebrating recovery and doing mm-hmm. all this. Mm-hmm. You know, meanwhile, the people in NA knew I was using. But they couldn't convince my husband that I was. Mm. So um, finally they, you know, went through my purse and found um, I was taking methadone at that time. And um, he said, okay, we got to do something. you got to go to treatment. Were you on a methadone program no. or you were, you were scoring methadone? I was scoring methadone because I couldn't, nobody had the pills because at, by that time they were starting, the pill mills were, they were starting to crack down on them. So mm-hmm. they were still around, but they were really expensive to get into the doctor. Like, you know, they want to charge you... It was crazy. What What do you think kept you from making that jump? As they, you know, they made the crackdown of the pill mills, mm-hmm. and because of that, a lot of addicts jumped to the use of heroin because, you know, the market fulfills the needs of the addicts. 
what kept you from from making that jump or was it just all of a sudden you got into successful recovery so you didn't you didn't you didn't cross that particular line the thought has crossed my mind but to be honest with you jim what kept me from ever doing heroin was that watching people nod out mm-hmm. and fall asleep like that was like i don't want to do that. i don't want to waste my high going to sleep and that perception of heroin luckily kept me from ever doing it. interesting i don't ask me why i don't I can't explain it, but that is the one thing that I have never done. You're more of a speed freak. I'm a speed freak. I like speed, cocaine, like right? Gotcha. Um, and I'm not a fan of. I, I've tried crystal meth too. I'm not a fan of it though. I, it's you know. Is there anything you haven't tried? As far as <laughs> I mean, I don't. Um, I don't. It sounds like I'm trying to make a joke. I'm not. No. But was there any any type of speed that you? Haven't you didn't done? try? No, I've never done. I've never tried acid. I've never done shrooms. I've never done heroin, uh, like straight heroin. You know, there's heroin and ecstasy, but I've never done straight heroin. Um, I've never done um, any of like the, what do they call those whip it, those aerosol thing. I've never done any of that. Um, I'm, but you did use. Um, I did. I was an intravenous, intravenous person. Yes. yes. And right. and I used to, my, my mother, you know, when I got clean and would share my story, she was, always so shocked because the one and only time I ever gave blood, I passed out because I couldn't stand needles. And, um, yeah, I, I became an intravenous drug user. Yes. So, so finally tell us about the, 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 the rehab program where you finally made it after all these struggles, after all this addiction, after you're in rehab, out of rehab, this, that you're in a, a program, but you're still using then finally, what, what, what happened that got you over that line where you've been clean and sober? I was woke up one, it was a Sunday, and I woke, it was Sunday, January 23rd, and I woke up, and I was just, I couldn't find any pills, and I was out. And, you know, just hunting, I hunting and hunting and trying to find and find and find. I couldn't, and I was like, you know what, screw this. I'm so done with this. I'm so over this. I'm sick of it. I want to, I've got, and I knew the only thing I had to do was tell. Once I tell on myself, then it will get better. So, I went outside and and I told my husband and I was like, look, this is what I did. And he was like, he was very angry. So it was my oldest daughter, you know, um, I went to NA. NA is what saved me. And NA for the audience is narcotics anonymous. Mm -hmm. And it's a 12 step program, 12 step program. I, I went there. I got a sponsor. Um, I work, went through and worked through steps. Um, I got a higher power and I changed people, places and things. And, I wanted it this time. This time I wanted it. And, you know, I mean, it helps. There. My husband said he was going to leave me. You know, I'll leave you. I'm taking the kids and I'll leave. I can't do this again. And, you know, the, the longer I went and the, the more of a connection that I made with my higher power and the more tools that I learned, the more coping mechanisms and ultimately playing the tape all the way through is something my sponsor had said, you know, mm-hmm. instead of just thinking about, yeah, you know, because I, I think about getting high every day. I, that has not still left do. me. I still, still do. After still all cravings. this time, I still have cravings. Can you, I, I don't know, maybe it's crossing the line, but, you know, when, you, when those cravings come along, and I have them too, but my story's not nearly as involved as yours. I mean, what, what do you do? Can you explain to the audience, you're getting that, you're getting that craving, you're getting that feeling, what do you need to do yourself to, okay, I, I got to take control of this. I got to get past this. Normally, it is just a passing thought. If it's really bad, it's not to the point anymore where it it's, makes me really like 
sometimes if I'm watching like intervention or something, my stomach will turn when I watch. I can't watch certain things, but it's just changing my thought, changing what I'm doing, getting up and doing something. Or like I was saying, is playing the tape all the way through instead of just thinking about how awesome it would be to get high and how great I'm going to feel. It's what's going to happen after that. Mm -hmm. And after that, and after that, after my husband's left me, my kids are gone and I'm living on the street with nothing. You know, do I really want to end up there? No, I yeah, don't. You've been to that circus before. I've been, I played that. Yes, I played that game before. I there, I played those games, and it, it's not fun. I'm too old, and I don't really think I have another relapse in me. I, I don't think I can do it again. I'll die. And you said you how many friendships? I mean, because when you're working through this program, you have to. You, in many cases, you need to divorce yourself from maybe longstanding relationships and friendships, and 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 people who have enabled your behavior. Yeah. Yes, I've, Can you talk I've, to us about that? Most of those, with the luxury of Facebook, um, there are several people that I have still remained in contact with um, through Facebook and Facebook only, and they themselves are clean. Um, I see them with pictures of beer and, you know, drinking and whatnot, but, you know, everybody's journey is different, and I don't, I don't you know, judge them. I, I personally can't do that. So I just keep up with them through Facebook. You know, um, some people don't understand that, you know, I do have some friends that, you know, they're not addicts and they have a couple beers or they may smoke a doobie or whatever, you know, and that's okay. I can't be around that. I can't do that. It, it bothers me. It because it makes me envious is what it does. It makes me want yeah. to be yeah, able yeah. to go back to the high school days where I could smoke a joint with my friends or I could have a drink and it'd be okay. You know, and I get up in the morning and everything's normal and I go about my day and I'm not, you know, strung out trying to find my next fix, you know, but I have, I haven't lost any, my old friends, like from high school that weren't a part of my, uh, active addiction. I still talk to them. I'm still part of their lives. They make arrangements for, you know, like Kelly, come, if you come early, you know, I go before the party starts (laughs) and hang out with them to, you know, a one of my best friends had, you know, Still got a degree. Right. Jack yeah. has a question for you. Kelly, you mentioned you uh, had to give up your parental rights to your child. What's your current status with your children and through this process? I have them both. Um, my What I did was I signed a document. My um, dad had pulled it off the Internet. And my um, husband at the my, – well, he's my ex-husband. had Him and I both had signed it, giving my parents – uh, custody of my child for a specific amount of time from like, let's just say July to July of, you know, for two years is what it was. And that was just to protect my daughter in case him or I did something stupid that the state couldn't come in and take her so that she was always protected no matter what. And when that, that document expired, I was already back home with her and my mother clean. So it just dissolved. Was it legal and binding? I really don't know. I thought it was. And ultimately, it was to protect her. And she is awesome. You know, she loves me. I'm getting ready to be a grandma on June 21st. She's due. And then I have a nine-year-old who is absolutely darling. And um, I never lost her. Um, It was the eldest that that was privy to my active addiction. What's the what's your what's the current relationship between you and your parents? I my mother is still and always has been my best friend. Mm I love her dearly. Um, my dad that I'm referring to is actually my stepdad. Right. I, I have two dads. I've been blessed with two. So 
Um, I, he is uh, still in my life. Both of them are. I love them both. Um, my family is 100% supportive. Um, I love them very much. For those uh, persons who are listening to the program, whether they're parents, whether they're siblings, and they, they have somebody in the family or friends for that matter, uh, who are struggling with something, uh, like this. I mean, what is your recommendation? There seems to be just this myriad of different recommendations that people have. Works for some people, doesn't work for other people. Uh, you know, uh, going to a rehab clinic in Palm Springs might work for some people, and other people doesn't. Na. I mean, what, what, what's the next step for if, anybody? For anybody is wanting the 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 pain. The pain of staying the same has got to be greater than the pain of content or the pain of getting clean. Like they've got, you've got to want it first and foremost. If they really want it, then it'll, they'll find a way. Like if we, you know, I've heard it, it's been, I've heard it said many times that if we put even just a fraction of the effort that we put into finding drugs into recovery Mm -hmm. and staying clean, it it would be amazing. What it would be not, amazing. Yeah, what are we not doing right? I mean, whether I, I, it's I think, the government or is it is it this that, level of ignorance that that many people have as it relates to to drug addiction? I think it, it's ignorance, and I think um, I'm probably going to get hate mail, but um, parents. I think a lot of our You'll families are in, are, in, <laughs> are enablers. You know, they're enabling. They're loving their children to death. They have to let go and 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 just let go. And just let them do what they're going to do. They're not, you are not going to make an addict stop using. You will not do it. And if you, if they do go to treatment because you make them, it's not going to last. And it's going to be tough for a parent. They see, they see a mm-hmm. child in need, a child suffering, and maybe it's a, a, a case of enabling. They, nobody wants to see their child in pain. No one yeah. wants to see them struggle through this. So I don't, you know, whether they look the other way and say, uh, it's really not happening, or maybe in the case like, your mother, you know, maybe it was just, look, I don't want to see my daughter in pain. Take this. I know what you're going through. Because she might have had somewhere along the yes. line in her uses, you know, her use of pills. She knows what it's like, and she right. doesn't want you to go through no, the same she thing. Didn't. But ultimately, they had to turn their back. Yeah. They had to say, we love you, but the only help you're going to get from us is a ride to treatment. You have to be. And they were okay. I shouldn't say okay. They understood that by letting go. I may die, but that was my choice. That was a decision that I made, not them. You know, they did what they needed to do. You know, they they would be there if I wanted to be clean. But sometimes you have to, like, they had my daughter to think about. You know, they had other people. You know, they're, you, your family, I, I think we take, as addicts, we take advantage of our families, you know, and, and I think our families, they want to help us, but they're not. Ultimately, they're loving us to death. They need to just let go and quit enabling. If you don't let the addict hurt or experience pain or suffer a consequence, they're never going to change. If there were no if there were no consequences for me using, I would be using right now. We wouldn't be having this conversation. If there were no consequences for driving without a license, why would anybody pay the state to get their driver's license? You know, like if there's no consequences and no if they're not if the addict doesn't feel some sort of pain and, and allowed to be to feel uncomfortable, heaven forbid, then they're not going to change. They're not going to. They're, they're not going to unless they absolutely want to, you know, unless they say, OK, I'm done. You know, but I think parents are. 
it's a hard, it's tough. My mom said it was the hardest thing she ever did, you know, knowing that and having to explain to my daughter, you know, on Christmas when their, their New Year's resolution or, or is that I hope mommy comes home. Do you discuss this with your, with your mother or is that, you know, yes. when you get, I mean, is it a constant, yes. constant communication about, I mean, is it, gee, how are you, Kelly, how are you doing? You doing okay? Is mm-hmm. it that one? Or is it, or is it you say, mom, I just won't want to let you know I'm doing all right. I'm doing, she would probably know if you weren't doing okay. She would know if I was using immediately. Would I you? see my mom regularly. Okay. Like my, my mom, I like, like I said, she's my best friend. I see her regularly. You know, right, Jack has another question. All the time. Uh, yeah, people texting Real Mobile 77031. And this uh, listener writes, This is uh, exactly my story. I'm ready also. But how did you get through withdrawal? Mm. Good Sub- question. Suboxone. What is that? Suboxone is um, a, a drug, and there's many different forms of it now. But when I went to treatment, there was only one. And um, it's a medication that um, what it does is it floods the opiate receptors in the brain so that if you were to use an opiate, mm-hmm. it's not going to do anything. It's not going to work. But what it what it is, is it's going to help you get through that week, maybe two weeks, depending on the level of usage and how long get you through withdrawal. But it should be done under a treatment facility or under the the guidance of a of a licensed physician uh, physician who's not going to keep you on the med for years right. you don't need to be on the medication for years this is not period. something that you would just go to and get refilled and take it on a daily or weekly I think basis they do. do they i think there i think there's people who are out there who do abuse the medication mm-hmm. but what are, are there any side effects to this suboxone i didn't take it long enough to know Okay. I mean, I felt a little bit uncomfortable when um, I was coming off the Suboxone, but I only took it for two weeks. That Did was you feel last... immediate relief or was yes. it pretty fast acting? Yes. Well, you have to be in full-blown withdrawal to take Suboxone. It's getting rid of the opiates or, no, is, no. It, or is it getting rid it's of the blocking. desire? It's getting rid of the, gotcha. the craving. It's getting rid of the craving and it's blocking the receptors, sort of like the medication for alcoholics who take it. If they drink, they get sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Only if you use heroin or any sort of opiate, you're not going to get high. But Period. it stops the fluey feeling yes, of withdrawal, absolutely. the shakes, the twitchy, the ever, all of that. So why isn't this more available to, I mean, we have a national crisis, certainly crisis here in central Florida. If I would have, nobody, nobody, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, you know something, I just want to become a drug addict. No, Nobody's don't. like that. No, they, so, they're not. And so we know that there are hundreds, if not thousands, of people who are addicted to one form or another substance here in Central Florida. Is it expensive? Yes. It is. Mm-hmm. Now, um, it, Or it's hard to get treatment where that can be prescribed for you? To be honest, because it's been seven years since I've taken any of that medication, at the time there was only several doctors here in Central Florida yeah. that um, we're licensed to prescribe it because you can't just walk in. Most doctors don't even know what it is, you know. So, um, and then they want, um, if they're not, there's no reason for them to give you the medication for more than 30 days, period. There isn't. And if you're taking it for more than 30 days, you're just starting the cycle all over again. You're swapping one drug for another because it's still an opioid. Right. You know, um, so it, but it, it saved my life. It showed me that there was an answer. There is a solution to withdrawal. There is a solution. And if you if it's used properly, it can help you get clean. It's not going to keep you clean, but it will help you get through withdrawal, which is 
most of the time what is the hardest part. But then you have other you have other recovering addicts that say that you need to go through withdrawal. Right. So you feel that pain and that uncomfortability. So it helps you right. remind you when you go to want to use again, I don't want to go through that again. You know, it just I don't know. My story doesn't have that. And, I, you know, if there's a, a softer, easier way, you know, whatever. Hey, you've been a wonderful guest. Thank you. Thank you for coming by. We Thanks appreciate it very on. much. I appreciate it. And uh, we wish you well with your journeys. Thank you. Thank you very much. Take a little break. It's the Phillips File on Real Radio 104.1.